Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Welcome to Praying for America. That's our goal here, to make America great again, because it's a great gift God has given all of us. Welcome to all of you patriots, believers from across the nation and even around the world. We welcome our international friends. Uh, we are, are I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. And uh, boy, is there some chaos we're all dealing with. And I want to get into some of that uh, here tonight. Would we go to the word of God to calm the chaos and to give us uh, our clear perspective, to give us our clear marching uh, path in life. As, as the word says, he's a, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And what a beautiful, appropriate psalm we have in Psalm 125 to pray for peace in Israel. Beautiful psalm. You'll see what I mean as we pray it. And, uh, and then we'll make some comments uh, on, that, on that ongoing situation as well. Uh, let's turn to the Lord's Word together. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. From this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of the wicked shall not rest over the land of the righteous lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in heart, but to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace upon Israel. Let us pray. Lord God, we... Uh, are your people. We have inherited your blessing from of old. We, as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, are rooted in the faith of Israel. And we thank you for the covenant, a covenant completed in Jesus Christ, but a covenant nonetheless that is part of a shared history that we have with your people, Israel. Thank you, Lord God, that we know the difference between what pleases you and what does not. We know the difference between good and evil, between sin and grace, between virtue and vice, between terrorism and respect for human life. Confirm us as Americans in that respect for human life and in that support for Israel. And Lord God, bring an end to the hatred that so many have Bring an end to the hatred against your people. Bring an end to terrorism. And bring us a culture of life. We pray in the name of the author of life and the conqueror of death, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, so many ignorant things are said about the situation over there in the Middle East, and it's ignorance of history. We've got to be rooted in history. And when we pray for peace, we've got to be specific about what we're praying for. The terrorism is only on one side. And not only that, but this is not a geographic dispute primarily. Our friend uh, Chris Smith, uh, somebody who in Congress uh, we have worked with a lot on human rights and specifically on the rights of the unborn children, had this to say recently uh, as he uh, sat in an interview with uh, our friend Tony Perkins. Uh, Let's take a listen to this uh, particular point he was making about the so-called two-state solution that uh, Biden and a lot of the Democrats keep talking about. Let's listen. This two-state solution idea, this is what brought us to to Gaza and turning control of Gaza over to Hamas. What did they not get about this? Tony, excellent point. The test case of the two-state solution was Gaza. You know, the Israelis turned it over in uh, an exchange for peace, and they got got nothing from it except terrorism and war. Uh, If there's an additional two-state, in other words, the West Bank and other parts uh, go over to as a state to uh, the Palestinians, will have, uh, you know, the proximity to Jerusalem and elsewhere will even be higher and greater, uh, and the threat will be very, very profound. So I, uh, uh, a two-state solution, it's been tried, it's been tested, and it's an utter failure. It's been tried. That's the point of history that a lot of people don't get. It's been tried. It failed. But it's not something that you keep trying again and again in this case, because there's a reason why it failed. It's not a battle. It's not a problem over geography. They've been given their land. They've been given the geography solution, these uh, these Hamas uh, folks. Palestinians elected Hamas in 2006 to rule over them in Gaza. The problem is the hatred. The problem is the hatred that they have for Israel. That's the problem. That's the problem, brothers and sisters. Not a problem of geography. It's a problem of religious hatred. And they hate us too. David Friedman was uh, former President Trump's ambassador to Israel. And uh, he told uh, Newsmax that the two-state solution is dead and would be a huge insult to the people of Israel after the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks because, quote, it suggests that there ought to be a reward for bad behavior rather than a punishment. A two-state solution with whom? Who's going to run this Palestinian state? The only people who have assumed leadership in any Palestinian society, are people who are endorsing Hamas. Like, it's not going to go anywhere. That's not going to be a two-state solution. What is it? What it does is it provides the wrong incentives for the Palestinian people. It's a huge insult on top of the enormous injury that's already been inflicted on the Jewish people. So, listen, let's never tire of repeating this perspective. Let's never tire of reminding people about this, the true nature of the problem and the lessons that we learn here from history. And obviously, let's keep 
keep the whole situation uh, continuing in prayer. Now, there are two election cycles that we are looking at simultaneously. And I, I want to uh, urge you to continue uh, looking at them. Uh, one is the 2023 cycle, which is right upon us now. It's in, at its culminating point now because the election is uh, a week from tomorrow. Uh, early voting is in place, of course, uh, in, in, in uh, underway in many places. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the 2024 cycle. Now, later on, I'm going to talk to you about some chaos in the midst of the 2024 election. Uh, uh, at some 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 trends that suggest that that things are going to take some surprising turns. Uh, but first, in 2023, you know, just to just to point something out here, the Republicans across the United States on the state level have more trifectas than the Democrats. I think the difference right now is like 22 to 17. Um, more trifectas than the Democrats do. Now, the trifecta, of course, is when you've got one party controlling the House, the Senate, and the governorship. Okay, both both assemblies. Uh, by the way, the reason that 22 and 17 are... Um, uh, well... Now I'm thinking of something else. When you look at the state legislatures, all of them are bicameral except for one, Nebraska, unicameral legislature. Uh, and that's why sometimes some of these calculations don't, don't uh, add up to 50 states. But, but put that aside, um, the Republicans have more trifectas. And in the 2023 cycle, the voting that's going on right now and that will conclude on November 7th, can actually add three more. And one of them is already going in the right direction. Uh, one of these uh, possible new trifectas is Louisiana, because the legislature, both houses have been under Republican control and they have good margins there. Um, but the governor has been Democrat. Well, we just had the election of someone that, that I know and have interacted with, uh, Jeff Landry, uh, there in uh, Louisiana. So Republican governor now. Uh, and he didn't even have to go to a runoff. The election was already uh, already decided on October 14th. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, the rest of the races, still, uh, you know, as far as the legislature, still all have to be hammered out. Uh, but uh, that's going in the right direction as an additional trifecta. Then, of course, we have um, two other states. And I'm mentioning this because those of you that are in these states or those of you that know people in these states, Please have them focus on this. And, and let's not, I mean, we're obviously talking about 24, and I'm going to have more to say about 24, but let's not skip over 23. Because even if one is primarily interested in 2024, understand activating voters now to get out and vote now in these 2023 elections. And it's not just in these states that I'm mentioning uh, Louisiana, I'm going to mention Kentucky and Virginia. There's also elections going on in New Jersey and elsewhere, but there's a lot of, there's a few, a handful of statewide elections. Um, but brothers and sisters, on the municipal level, mayoral races, and we've got, for example, the mayor of Orlando down here we're near where we live uh, uh, is going to be elected. We've got mayors, mayor races, city council, county executives. We were, we were get, bringing attention those of you that are signed up for our emails, and I hope all of you are, by the way, go to endabortion.us. That's our main website. And you could sign up for our email alerts and whatnot, and, and also Pro-Life Vote. Two key websites to keep in mind, endabortion.us, prolifevote.com. Those are our, our key websites. 
you'll get email up alerts such as um, people in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. You've got a very close race there with the county executive. It's, it's the second largest blue county in Pennsylvania. But guess what? The Republican and the Democrat candidate for county executive are neck and neck. Let's push the Republican over the finish line because county executives over there have what? They have a lot of authority over elections. In, and Pennsylvania is what? That Commonwealth is a key state for the 2024 election. And so who's going to manage the election? Well, you know, you know how it works. That's often more determinative than the candidates or the campaigns. Who's managing the logistics of the election? We saw what happened in Pennsylvania back in 2020. So the point I'm making is every year is election year. Now, I think we need to get away from the language. Oh, this year is an election year. This other one is that's an off year. No more off years. Every year has to be an on year. There are elections in, on the city level, in the town level, in the county level. Where are the elections happening? And one of the great sources I've mentioned to you before, go back to it again and again, Ballotpedia. Ballotpedia. I find they have a lot of very straightforward information. It's not meant to be a partisan a push one way or the other. Just election information, including where are elections happening. So if you go to Ballotpedia and you look in 2023 elections, is there an election happening in your city, in your town, in your county? Are we are we aware? Don't pass it by and get others involved with the same degree of fervor, determination that you would for the and that you will for the 2024 election because brothers and sisters, if you activate a voter now to get off the couch and into the voting booth, well, then they're activated, and it's more likely that they're going to vote when? In 2024. So 2023 has its own importance, but then you're also killing two birds with one stone, getting that person activated already now for 2024. Maybe it's somebody who hasn't voted in years. Maybe they're registered, hopefully. If they aren't registered now, of course, let's get them registered. But you know what I'm saying. Okay, so we can get two other trifectas. One is Kentucky. Now, they've got a Democrat governor. Uh, the um, the legislature is re- is Republican, both chambers. They got a Democrat governor now. Kentucky, come on! The Democrat Party hates America, as we've been talking about in Mark Levin's book, which we'll get back to studying more of as this week goes on. Uh, can't do it, friends in Kentucky. Get the Democrats out of power there. You don't. You deserve better. You would all deserve better. Uh, but that's. Uh, that's um, Cameron is the, the, the candidate there for, uh, for a Republican uh, for governor. Uh, he would be great uh, for Kentucky. So there's that. And then Virginia. Now, they've already got a Republican uh, governor uh, as well as the House. We need to get the Senate back. The Senate is really, really, really close. And we could uh, flip that and have a full trifecta there. Um, that that that's uh, that's uh, that'll be that'll be key. Um, so, the House of Delegates, it's called, um, two seat majority in the uh, state Senate. Uh, Republicans have a two seat majority in the House of Delegates. So, uh, uh, very important election there in Virginia. Let's make sure it goes the right way. Okay, so that's twenty twenty three election. Now, before we go into twenty twenty four. We have a speaker in the House, we know, 
Mike Johnson is somebody that I have known uh, for years, and uh, we've worked with him in the pro-life arena. He's very, very solid on the respect for human life. He's also a great man of faith, as I am sure you have heard and seen for yourself in watching his speeches and so forth. I want to play a little clip from his acceptance speech of the speakership, because in this clip, he articulates very well that we as a country have a creed and that that creed is diametrically opposed to Marxism. Now, as we've been learning from Mark Levin's book, the Democrat Party is all about Marxism and leading America down that path. Denial of God is key to that. Belief in God should not be something that is partisan. It should transcend partisan politics because it's part of the founding creed of our nation. But the fact that partisan politics has begun in the, in the, in the uh, arena of the Democrat Party to attack those fundamental principles, well, if those principles themselves are not partisan, well, then defending them isn't partisan activity either. The Democrats have made attacking those principles into a partisan activity. But defending those principles is not a partisan activity. It's an American activity. Let's listen to what Speaker Mike Johnson had to say about this, and we can reflect on it a little bit more. It was in 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto, In God We Trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well the famous second paragraph that we used to have children memorize in school and, and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal, and they are endowed by the, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That is, the, that is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. And we're in a time of extraordinary crisis right now, and the world needs us to be strong. They need us to remember our creed and our admonition. The world needs us to remember that creed. We are under attack on that creed from within. And it's the Democrat Party who are the culprits. Notice he emphasized the word created equal rather than born equal. And created in the womb. One of the key parts of the creed is human life, the right to life, which is stated Explicitly, it's not something we're deriving from a syllogism or interpreting in our founding documents. The right to life is explicitly there, and it says we're created equal. 
We begin existing before we are born. We know that. And it's undeniable fact that each one of us was in our mother's womb. Undeniable fact. Not only a biblical truth, it's a scientific truth, it's an obvious truth. And therefore, if we are equal from the time we're in the womb, is it not part of our national creed already that we need to be protected when we're in the womb? Important consideration to remember. An important reason, again, to oppose the Democrats at this point in time, they have put themselves, they have situated themselves against America's creed, against our founding principles. And that's why, moving into my reflections on the 2024 election at this point, you know, it's going to be more chaotic than I, than I thought. And the reason I say that is President Trump's support continues to, to build stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, Dick Morris, I was listening to him the other day. Uh, he was pointing this out. There has been, you know, all this attention on the speaker. We just heard Mike Johnson. All this uh, uh, attention on Israel. We heard Chris Smith and reflected for a moment about that. Has taken the news cycle a little bit away from how the polling is unfolding in the 24 presidential race. If you focus back on that for a moment, you're going to see what Dick Morris calls a sea change. Not just a change, not just a momentum, a dramatic sea change of increased support for President Trump and decrease of support for Biden. Now, what does he think and what do I think is the main reason for that? Look, look the, the chaos. The chaos in the world. What is going on over there in, 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 with these attacks on, on Israel, this terrorism, people are saying, give us back our leader. There is no question this stuff is going on because of weak leadership from the United States of America. Incompetent leadership, absent leadership, helping Iran more than we help Israel. Oh, yeah, Biden will say some good things, but that doesn't give him a pass on the way he's been coddling Iran. Uh, did I say I, did I, did I say Iran? Uh, the way that Biden has been helping Iran more than Israel and, 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 and funding, essentially funding these terrorists. So people are looking at this and saying, you know, your incompetence as commander in chief is leading us to, to the brink of World War III. And did not President Trump foretell this? There's another of the many things about which he was right. But people are seeing this. And they're seeing the increasing chaos on the border, which is spilling into cities where even in places like Chicago and New York, people are rising up in revolt and saying, why are all these, 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 these migrants here filling our streets and our, our civic centers? And our, what's going on? We can't, we can't accommodate all these people. Well, that's what we were trying to tell you from the beginning. You can't just have millions of people flooding over the border and expect life to go on business as usual. So people are seeing this and they're saying, no, 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 give me my border back. Give us our sanctions back on places like Iran and places like China. Give us our leaders back. Give us our economy back. Give us our country back. And so... Trump has now a five-point lead nationally. 
nationally. Tremendous leads in the key states, the key electoral presidential states, and among demographics, soaring, unprecedented support in the black community, in the Hispanic community, and among youth. The uh, the, 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 there's been a dramatic drop among the Gen Z, okay, Gen Z youth, 18 to 25, dramatic drop of support for Biden. Dramatic. And these are three constituencies, the youth, the Latinos, and the uh, blacks. The, the Democrats, uh, you know, they rely on it in their calculations and their polling and their predictions and their their electoral security. They rely on these demographics. And, you know, it's not that it's not like you have to carry those communities. You just have to have the right percentage. And, and the Republicans now under President Trump are getting much closer to exactly the right percentage to flip these elections entirely in their favor. Now, why do I say this means it's getting more chaotic? Well, because number one, the hatred against President Trump and all who support him and all who follow him, it's already reached fever pitch, right? It reached fever pitch a long time ago. But now when people see, when, 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 we, when we refocus just a little bit on, oh, okay, we've been rightly concerned about uh, the Middle East over here, the speaker's race over there. Now let's look back at the 2024 election. How's it shaping up? Oh my goodness. President Trump is really running away with it now. I don't even know what words to use. It's already at fever pitch. The level of weaponization, hatred, chaos against him, lunacy, really lunacy, Trump derangement syndrome. But then on the Democrat side, we are heading towards immense chaos. And, you know, I no longer, I, 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 when it comes to the question of, you know, will Biden end up being in the race by election, election day of 2024? Uh, will he be the? Will he be president again? No, I. I and now I, I. I've come to be completely convinced. A that it's not going to be Biden. And B that the result, the alternative to that on the Democrat side is complete chaos. Complete chaos. They got. They're going to collision course with themselves, and with the American people, a collision course with themselves. Because you've got the Biden loyalists who are going to do everything possible to keep him in power. And you've got other powerful forces in the party saying, we've got to save ourselves. We've got to save ourselves. And therefore, we've got to dump this guy and get somebody else in there. But if they do that, Biden then can go ahead and speak up about Obama. You think all this negative stuff that's coming out about Biden, and by the way, make sure you get Dick Morris's new book called Corrupt, The Biden Family Dark Money. Uh, that book is 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 uh, can be ordered now. Um, you think that 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 does that stuff doesn't involve Obama, and that if Biden gets gets uh, uh, angry enough at the party, if they try to kick him out and they succeed in kicking him out, that he's not going to talk. The, the the people who are defending Biden are trying to defend Obama. It's going to come crashing back on them if Biden or some of his people start to talk about how involved Obama was with all this stuff. But they're coming out of this, so they're on a collision course with themselves, and they're on a collision course with the American people. Because what I mean by that is, 
are the Democrats going to appeal to their base with things like, you know, the ongoing uh, critical race theory and reparations and all these things that they, the base believes in? Or are they going to uh, try to appeal to the wider electorate that, that, that they have to get to vote for them? And thereby alienate them, and then alienate the base. They have a choice: you're going to alienate the base, or you're going to alienate the rest of the American voters whose support you need. I, I, I this is going to be very chaotic, very chaotic, more chaotic on the Democrat side, but chaotic on both sides. In as much as the hatred and the unprecedented opposition to President Trump and his whole movement, our movement, the MAGA movement, it's 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 only going to intensify on both sides. I think. That in the next year, and we're approaching very quickly now, the one-year mark, okay, till election 2024, I think we are going to see things absolutely unimaginable, unprecedented, just fasten your seatbelts, don't be panicky, but be prepared and be ready for a, a, a roller coaster. So let's turn back to prayer. So, Father, we put our nation in your hands uh, once again. We put ourselves in your hands. Lord, we ask for a We know that there's an important vote going on now in Ohio, Lord, where pro-abortion forces want to insert a right to abortion, unlimited abortion, in their state constitution. Lord, defeat that effort. Wake up your citizens about that. And do not let that happen, Lord God. That is so destructive of our nation they call they cry out about freedom but snuffing out life is the opposite of freedom bless us lord in this uh as we have this new speaker bless bless speaker mike johnson bless uh, all those who along with him affirm that we have a creed in this nation and that we're called to be faithful to it pass it along to our children and and their children bless lord the dynamics of this 2023 election. Bless the people of Virginia, the people of Kentucky, people of Louisiana. Bless them with wisdom in their votes. Bless them with energy to activate voters now who can then continue to be active in 2024. And Lord God, bless the the leader of the Republican Party, the leader of the MAGA movement, the leader of this nation in so many historic ways, President Donald Trump. Bless all those who are running for the presidency, the highest office in our land, as they endure the sacrifices necessary to undertake such a, such a run. Bless their families. And bless our fellow citizens as we enter into this election season more deeply. Help us to be prepared for the chaos. Help us to be prepared with wise hearts and minds, sober minds, and spirits deeply rooted in your peace and trust in your providence. We pray now for these and all the intentions of our viewers as we use the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, friends, two key websites, endabortion.us, that's our main website, prolifevote.com, that's our election website. And remember to connect with me on all the social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone. Looking forward to talking with you again tomorrow. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. Hello, I'm Evangelist Alveda King with Priest for Life. The great issues of social justice, civil rights, and pro-life in our nation have made progress when citizens take their convictions into the voting booth. It's not enough simply to believe or speak about what is right. We have to elect lawmakers who will pass the right laws. As my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the law can't make my brother love me, but it can stop him from lynching me. Making laws and changing hearts go hand in hand. When people's hearts and minds are changed, they will elect people who will change laws and court decisions. So dear friends, if you're not yet registered to vote, please register today. And when you do go into that polling place, please vote pro-life. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.